0: People playing we hockey,
1: love huh? you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a body, girl, man. Yeah. We should
0: have never made it so easy for people not to be here. Exactly. <laughs> no.
1: exactly right. Should have never made it so easy
0: for people not to be here. <laughs> you know, you, you you always want to see people, and you know, I won't just say people because I know all you all, so it's personal. You always want to, I always want to see you guys. Um, But it's not that I want to see you so that I can feel good about the ministry. Mm -hmm. Right? I want to see you because I like you. And at the end of the day, we don't have the ministry so we can feel good about ourselves or feel like we're doing something right. And so at the end of the day, we only have the ministry so God can serve people with life. Yes. Mm -hmm. And what type of a situation would that be if we're like, well, we're only going to let God serve people with life if they're going to be here. <laughs> and so then we eliminate the live stream and the recordings and all that. I mean, what kind of, it's like you can get it so twisted as to what's the even point of having the ministry, right? Right. It's so people can see God prepare the table for them so that people can see that, that God wants to serve them with his life. And I promise you, God isn't waiting for people to come to him. To serve them with life, I mean, he's seeking after them. He he calls us by name. He first called us by name before we called him by name. I mean, how can we call him father unless we first heard him call us son? I mean, we we have the whole thing backwards. And so, yeah, it's good to see you guys. We love y'all. Um, but we're thankful for people to be able to hear the message because that's the that's really the point, right? Is for for people to. um just be conformed to the image of the Son, right? Amen. And, and to, to find their lives being transformed by beholding themselves in the face of Jesus as if they were looking in a mirror, right? right? And then watching the seed that is Christ being reproduced and, and you knowing you guys are out in the world, yeah. right? Carrying with you the Father's love, yeah. right? Am- ambassadors for Christ, really. Yeah. A living epistle. And not in the sense that we've been traditionally taught where you guys are out there with the sign you know, telling people they're gonna burn in hell, um, turn to burn, but just you guys going about your daily lives and living life and, and running into the people you love and the people you know and and just sharing the love yeah. of God. Yeah, yeah. It's Absolutely. Sometimes it's too much. Yeah. You sit around and you think about it and you just start to cry. You know, and like we were just talking about out there. You just, it's just, it's so overwhelming when you just think about really all that God is right. and all that He did. And it, it's so overwhelming, just the joy of even being able to think about it. You know what I'm saying? To even just be able to like see what it is, to see into the depths of God's heart and to, to know that there's, He's just oozing with goodness, right? He's just oozing with love and, and compassion and, and comfort and just knowing that about God. I mean, the other day I was telling Becky, I'm just so amazed that we can even see God's thoughts. Yeah. And what an amazing thing right. to even just be able to think about what God thinks. Right. Yeah. Feel what He feels. Yeah, that it, yeah. you can just uh, no. see into it all.
1: It's just... Yeah, yeah. Right. I was thinking of when we were talking out there and just now... So we were talking about the fact that uh, um, the... Hope community actually our community lost another teen this week. Nicholas, <coughs> their parents own Nick um, Nathan's restaurant. He'd had two heart transplants and the second one just <coughs> rejected and he was just exhausted. And so he's but to share with my grandkids mm-hmm. the power. like the sermon you preached in the old building with the rope that we stretched across the very front of it and there was a little knot in the middle right that's where we are Mm -hmm. and to know and to be so and to have such a beautiful view now of what the rest of that is like Mm -hmm. and what it's going to be like and to know just that little knot I mean it's it's great while we're here but it's just a little knot Mm -hmm. and the rest of it is so much more magnificent Mm -hmm. and to be able to share that with Grandkids and yes. kids it's really important. The little knot and the rope represents our life here on earth. yeah it's just a teeny little part of the big, long, huge picture yeah. for those of you who weren't there.
0: And just to be able to think about it with God, like we talked about purpose
1: yeah.
0: and how we, we were actually created to have a strong desire for, for purpose yeah. Right? And, and the problem is we, we walk around in the world seeking to find our desire for purpose satisfied in things we can do in the world and things we can accomplish in the world and uh, things that, that people can observe about us in the world. Yeah. And and from that perspective of, of purpose, that's the kind of thing that people don't even realize their heart. I mean, I'm really in this thing right now. I'm trying to help people understand their hearts right? so they begin to understand themselves. But even just that worldly idea of purpose heaps... A whole lot of despair on parents that lose children. Mm-hmm. Because then the world starts saying, "Oh, they were never able to fulfill their purpose. Yeah. Right? And they, they start thinking of, of everything that was robbed from them. Right. right? And their mind just starts twisting on darkness right. as if death has won. Right? Yeah. right? As if death can steal. And we don't realize that. But the whole point of Jesus coming is so that let him who stole steal no more. Amen. The whole purpose of Jesus coming was to conquer death. So like Paul would come and say, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Well, if you're waxing poetic about what was stolen from somebody because they died, you don't understand the gospel. Amen. You're thinking like the world. Right, Right? If you're thinking that these transplants or this death has now robbed their child of their purpose, man, you don't understand what purpose is. Right? Right? But when you start to understand that the purpose of every human being, being born into this world, is so that they could find themselves being filled with the likeness of the father's life. And they could find themselves being immersed in the father's love that they could find themselves overcoming the depth that's in the world and living eternally. Man, when you start realizing that's the purpose of every human being, that's how you start thinking, right? And you don't judge purpose anymore by what you can do in the world or what happens in the world or what you accomplish in the world. You can do a lot of things. You can accomplish a lot of things. You can have fun doing those things, but you can never call that your purpose. And saying this doesn't mean we're indifferent to grief or pain. You know, you can, listen, you feel the sting, but does the sting get conceived inside of your heart? And so you can feel grief over a loss because you're going to miss your child. You can feel grief knowing that death isn't right, but the, the grief doesn't turn into despair. It's not conceived in your heart when you're looking at life from the perspective of eternity. Life from the perspective of what God began in the beginning when he poured himself out so that he could serve us with his life. When you begin looking at life like that, that comes in in the middle of despair, in the middle of death trying to overcome your heart, in the middle of death trying to convince you that you've been stolen and robbed from, the truth comes in and it it embraces you. It's like the compassion of God, like I just said. It's like you can see Jesus there holding out his hands, pierced, peace. Be unto you, right? And it's like in that moment, man, when you see the Lord Jesus like that, you see his hands. It is I, right? The one who was nailed to the cross. Here I am. Lest you be confused, I'm not a spirit. Do you see the holes? Remember, I'm the guy that all the blood ran out of. I'm the guy they flogged to death and nailed to a tree. That death you're so afraid of, that death you think can rob you, look, here I am. (laughs) Having overcome death and the peace. Right? That's not just a fanciful story in the scriptures. And yes, it is a, an account in the scriptures, and it actually happened. But Jesus has held his hands out to all of us. Peace be unto you. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to all see that. That's the shalom, right? Especially in the midst of sorrow. Mm-hmm. And you start to see, like Paul, oh death, where is your sting? Mm-hmm. Oh grave, where is your victory? Amen. Right? And, and you start finding that type of thing born in
2: you yeah eternity puts life into its context (laughs) you know it. it, it, there's more to life than what what we see what we experience (gasps) what we do Mm -hmm. that life in its proper context is when you become infused with eternal life all of a sudden your life finds its context Mm -hmm. because you are one with the Lord and you find yourself in Him having everything that you need in yeah. life. Having attained to your desire for
0: purpose. Yes. <laughs> your purpose is to inherit the Father. And then you inherit the Father and then you feel real happy. Because right? sometimes, like I remember this baseball player, he thought his purpose was to play baseball and to win the World Series. To pitch in the World Series and win the World Series. And then he found he did that and afterwards, <laughs> he, he thought, is this Not well?" Like he's in the locker room, you know, and he's like, "Is this is this it? Is this what I've been after? Right?" And so we have this 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 thing inside of us that we think if we can find our purpose and then we can accomplish our purpose, (laughs) our walk in our purpose, we're going to find this sense of satisfaction, right? But then we define that by some worldly thing, and that can never satisfy you. And so, man, attaining to your purpose, there is a sweet satisfaction. It's called contentment, right? Mm-hmm. It's called uh, awakening to the likeness of the Father inside of yourself and being satisfied, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Is what the yeah. Scripture says. Yeah. And so, yeah, when you, when you realize your purpose was to inherit eternal life, your purpose was to be immersed in the love of the Father, and you see you've attained to that, Right by receiving or grabbing a hold of the life that is in the Lord Jesus, you start to find find yourself mm-hmm. feeling satisfied.
2: Mm-hmm, right. and you
0: start to walk in this world, not thinking you have to accomplish something. It doesn't mean you won't, but you're not walking around trying to find satisfaction mm-hmm. in relationships. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to find satisfaction in governments. Yeah. You're not trying to find satisfaction in parties. You're not trying to find satisfaction in anything. Right? You <laughs> you're just satisfied.
1: Yeah. And that
2: actually makes you be able to function in life in, in, a, in a less encumbered fashion. That's what in other words, do. when you're trying to mm-hmm. grasp something in the mm-hmm. world to find peace and joy and happiness and, in the life that you're seeking for, it's like you're drowning trying to find a life preserver, yeah. when, when in reality, if you already have it, then you can just... Enjoy your life and do the things that you have passion to do and and do them in a way that's that's not Life and death is it not attached to it. That's right life and death is not attached to it. Jay
1: Mm, I was gonna say I totally agreed with what you said earlier for those of us in this room But I went years and years and years with eternal life and I completely loved the purpose-driven life, <laughs> and I endorsed it, and I dug into it, and I was going until yeah. you hear the truth, yeah. until you understand and sure. know what eternal life is really about, you'll flounder around in a carnal lifestyle, yeah. Yeah. and that's the way most of the church is today, yeah, well, yep. That's why I'm that's told. a good,
3: yeah, that's a great point. I, I think all of us deep in our heart, we we know the truth deep in there. And we can do what what you said and, and strive and strive, but somehow you know, it just ain't right. It just doesn't. Know, really but nobody tells as, you why. Right? Right. Yeah, nobody right, exactly. comes and tells yeah. you why. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's on this, you know, especially in, in the Western world, this same um, commercial-driven lifestyle, right? And and so this is what we do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I got to do
0: this. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we we were created to be satisfied. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't created to not be satisfied. So if we're sitting around feeling like a yearning or a longing, something inside of us is going to tell us. It's not right. (laughs) No, it will. And like the purpose, like we said, the reason why you were so into that is because you do have a purpose. It's just, it can't be defined by the world. Right. And I say this all the time. I'm so sorry to always bring everything back to Jesus. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not. But Jesus is the word made flesh about your purpose. And I'm talking about the glorified, resurrected Jesus is the word made flesh about your purpose. Yeah. And so what do you see in him? right? What was, what was in him as the son of man? What was his purpose? To overcome death and to live forever in glorified immortal flesh. Amen. To know God in his flesh. And I don't mean know intellectually. I mean to know God by way of experiencing the fullness of God by his likeness manifesting in your physical body and all of your senses being actuated by his incorruptible life right? That's what you were intended for. That's your purpose. It's for all your senses that you find activated by smell and sight and touch and taste. All those senses are actually longing to experience the likeness of the Father's life. That's what they're longing for. That's why you can like things so much when you taste things, when you smell things. That's why you can like things so much. They look so pleasant when you look on them with your eyes. The lust of the flesh the, the lust of the eyes. What is it that the flesh is lusting after? What are, is it that the eyes are lusting after actually? What they're actually longing for is to know God inside of their bodies. They're longing right. to have intimacy with an incorruptible life. And until the gospel comes along, until someone comes and reveals the glorified Jesus and then reveals the way to experience the, the father's life inside of human flesh is by calling upon his name, by looking at the faith revealed at the cross. Until someone comes and shows that to you, you're walking around trying to know God inside of your body through all the different things you can do and have and experience. Right? That you're Really, you're trying to know God, yeah. mm-hmm. right? I like Mardi Gras, we got Mardi Gras going on right now. I've got nothing against Mardi Gras because it's not about whether you go to Mardi Gras or don't go to Mardi Gras. It's about what's in your heart when you go to Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. right? Nothing is evil in and of itself, right? All things are lawful, not all things are profitable. But a bunch of people are going to Mardi Gras, and you know why they're actually going to Mardi Gras? They desire to know God inside of their senses. Yeah. They desire to experience God. And they've gone to Mardi Gras before, and they've had their senses excited. And something inside of their bodies, in their senses, says, this is nice. I'm meant to feel this way inside of my body. And now, because they don't know that it's the likeness of God's life that's meant to cause their senses to feel that, now they're seeking God, actually, by going to Mardi Gras. And when I mean seek God, they're seeking to experience or feel God inside of their bodies. That's why we like it so much when we feel good. Dude, that, that's why we don't like it when we feel bad. How many of you like it when you feel bad? How many of you like glory to God? Why? I, I say this all the time to people. and I, It's like a, a, a dead horse I'm beating now. Did anybody have to teach you not to like it when you don't feel good? No. I mean, I, I hate to get philosophical, and it's not really philosophical. But it sounds silly. But why didn't somebody have to teach us? Not to like it when we don't feel good. Why weren't we indifferent? Why weren't we just like, who cares? I don't feel good. So what? <laughs> do, do you see what? We could have just as easily been, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. But there was something in us already that was telling us we were meant right. to taste, to see, right. to handle God by way of having His likeness manifested in our physical bodies. And the moment we don't feel good, something is communicating to our hearts to tell us that we're separated from life. Yes. Mm. And we we don't like it. But when we feel a positive emotion, when we feel a positive connection, our senses, we eat something we like, Mm. we see something that's pleasant, right, to the eyes. Right, and We see something. The taste is nice. Why do we like that so much? I'm telling you, we like it so much because our bodies are groaning to know God. Again, I'm not talking intellectually. I'm talking in, in the sense of being intimate with someone, right? Where the two become one, and all that they are is manifested inside of you, right? We're longing for that. And if you don't understand what it is you're actually longing for, you'll end up trying to find it in things in the world. And you'll end up thinking that you're actually longing for those things. Yeah. Yeah. You, you think you're longing for a person. Right. You think you're longing for mm-hmm. a, 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 a certain uh, food or a, a certain accomplishment <laughs> or a certain whatever. Right? Who
3: brought the king cake?
1: Yeah. <laughs> what, what, you, what you
3: had said at Cindy uh, and Jay's um, was really epic. Uh, very helpful for all of us Mm -hmm. everyone (laughs) you said um, if you feel lack that's the evidence that you believe the lie and God is Mm -hmm. the portal to exposing that lie and knowing the truth yeah -hmm. you know so it it, that doesn't I I thought a lot about it you know it doesn't mean I have desires to to do stuff that's okay but something that makes me anxious something I don't know I'm not I don't have the joy I don't have that deep peace.
0: Um, something's amiss. What is it? Yeah. You know? And you I don't what it is. Yeah. You begin to discern the feeling of lack. You begin to know yourself. I, I'm saying this a lot, but I, I need to say it as many times as I can. People do not understand themselves. Right? Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Like, they don't even understand their own heart, they don't even understand why they feel the things that they feel. If you don't understand why you feel what you feel, if you don't understand what you're longing and groaning for, listen, life becomes very difficult, yeah, right? right? and It reminds it, me of the,
4: the conversation Jesus had with the woman at the well, and she expressed mm-hmm. it this way. He told me all about my, my, mm-hmm. my life, myself. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, she understood herself talking to Jesus. Right.
0: Yeah, the the water, yeah. the well of living water, right? Right. right? And you won't be thirsty again. He, This woman's thirsting.
4: And the two guys uh, walking, I think it was road to Emmaus after the resurrection, says Jesus opened the scripture to them or opened their minds yeah. to the scripture by showing himself in the scripture. Yeah, That's what I've been thinking about is I, I want God to open my mind. Mm-hmm. I want him to open my mind. Not in an intellectual sense, I've been there. I tried to open my <laughs> mind remain locked
1: but,
4: uh, I'm reminded of a concept in the law you guys have probably heard it a cloud on cloud on a title you ever hear that mm-hmm. you never heard of the cloud on your title
2: No.
4: I guess it's maybe like a physician coming in using a medical term you never heard of before but I thought it was a common knowledge thing a cloud on the title is something on the title to uh, real real property that uh, that impairs the the, own, the ownership so let's say if you trace your title back 30 years and oh, way back then on the record there's ownership of this property by joe blow that's still outstanding so you don't have 100 you don't have clear title that's a, called a cloud the expression is that's a cloud on your title okay. so that cloud on the title has to be removed what's our title sons of god right
1: mm-hmm. there
4: the world has put a cloud on our title
1: yes. and that,
4: and that oh, cloud god. is being removed by god you said you had eternal life but you didn't really? uh, i'm paraphrasing yeah but the point was you didn't understand eternal life because right. you were seeking exactly. after a purpose that wasn't rooted in god right well god is removing that cloud, that cloud. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that we go from thinking our title is sinner and then we oh, get into yeah. Christianity, and right. we think it's servant, <laughs> and all along it's been son. Yes. Right? Oh, that's good. And so uh, it doesn't mean that God who is the the servant of the universe is not gonna, you know, serve through you, or that His life is not manifest through you in what we would call service. It's just that you're not defined as a servant, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Amen. So that as you were talking in the beginning this thought came to me about um how our thinking about ourselves compared to the truth is so clouded Mm -hmm. it is so clouded but uh, like paul says i look in the mirror dimly Mm -hmm. but we have the mind of christ and the spirit can lead us into all truth and that's what i see happening here is that Things are clearing up for us. Yeah. It's, it's it's, it, we're not becoming something we, we weren't <clears throat> all along. Yeah. We're coming to understand who we've always been. Yeah. Yeah. And Paul yeah. said, when
0: I was a child, I saw through a glass darkly lit. Yeah, and then he yeah. goes into being a man. <laughs> yeah. and, and see, even talking about these things, it's the Holy Spirit exercising our senses, right? Yeah. So we can grow in in the wisdom and stature of sonship you're beginning to understand yourself your senses are being exercised you're learning to discern what it is and what it means when you feel this so like when you feel lack right you're no longer thinking what's wrong with me What, what 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 what's going on with my life no you immediately see i'm in a mortal body and i was made for immortal flesh I was made for eternal life. I was never created to ever encounter death or to ever see death. So when I feel this lack, it's just a sign that this world around me has gotten corruption in it and my body is feeling that way. Yes. And you, you realize the lack that you're feeling is just you yearning oh. for the likeness of the Father's <laughs> life to be manifested in your body, right? Then you, st- you know what that leads you into? Because you never just sit in the lap. People don't sit in the lack. They go to do something to get rid of the lack, right? And and actually, we're meant to to go to something. We are actually meant to go to something. But if you don't know where you're meant to go to, we talked about this with Cindy, right? When she felt hungry in the service. She wasn't like, I wonder what this is that I feel. (laughs) Maybe if I go to the bathroom, I'll feel better. Maybe if I stand up and sing. Maybe if I hug Jay, I'll feel better. No, this woman had her six senses exercised. She's like, this means I should eat some food. And so what did she do? She got right up and she came and ate food. She didn't get distracted along the way. She didn't think she needed to go buy tickets to a concert. She didn't think that she needed to move out of the state or out of the country. She didn't think she needed to go on a cruise. She, I need some Fritos. <laughs> And she went right to it. And then, you know what? You know, amazingly, the woman starts feeling better. Her senses were exercised, right? And so, man, the gospel comes to exercise our senses. In, in the person of Jesus Christ, where when we feel the lack, we begin to see we're longing, we're groaning within ourselves to see the Father's life. That's what likeness means. Yeah. Likeness means his life, the likeness of his immortality. We're groaning, desiring to see that life come forth in us, just like a woman would groan in travail in childbirth. Why is she groaning in travail? She's desiring to see the life that's in her come forth. That's why she's groaning in travail. Mm-hmm. And so when your senses become exercised and you begin to know why you feel what you feel, do you know what happens? You start looking to the Father, you start connecting with the Father. That's called handling touching, tasting the Lord's body, his glorified body. And then next thing you know, you start to find that lack that was pressing in on you. You start to find it satisfied. You start to find yourself being, my cup runneth over. Yea, though I walk through the valley of sh- the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are lifted up in my heart, Lord. The life you have in yourself is exalted in my sight and not this death, right? And then you say, my cup runneth over. that's how you start to feel but if you don't if you don't know how to interpret your emotions right even in relationships do you know when it's real easy when somebody does something wrong to you it's real easy to interpret your emotions as if look what they did
1: yeah
0: Mm -hmm. but why didn't jesus interpret his emotions that way and what was he thinking of right what's even the problem Why do I even feel upset with what they did? I'll tell you why you feel upset with the things people do to you that you don't think are right. You think what they've done is somehow a stumbling block to you experiencing the life you know you were made for. Mm -hmm. And that's why you feel upset. But the moment you interpret that emotion properly in a relationship, you no longer are going to them trying to impute their sin to them. right? But instead, you're looking to the Father because you see what you're longing for is the likeness of His life manifested Mm -hmm. in you. right? And now you get filled up. Offense doesn't get born in your heart. You don't keep a record of the wrongs people committed against you. You don't impute sin to people. Because the reason you impute sin to people is because you think what they did got in the way of you having life. You think something they've done is a stumbling block to you handling, touching, tasting life. Right? Right. right. And, and so you start to understand your senses and your emotions. You grow in favor with God. And that doesn't mean God likes you more. It's not like God favors you, like we've been taught in Western Christianity, right, like a pagan kind of God. It's not talking about, like, well, Zeus favored, you know, his son. I can't Clash of the Titans, I can't remember the dude's name. It's not that type of favor. It's talking about you grow in intimacy or your experiential knowledge of eternal life inside of a human body right? You grow in your understanding of what your senses are longing for. And then you start touching, tasting, handling the Lord's body. And do you know what that does inside of you? It starts helping you or it gives you favor with man because you start to understand people. You start to understand their emotions. You start to understand what it is they feel, why they feel it, what causes them to feel it. And then you can start speaking into their life. I do a lot of counseling. I'm telling you, I sit in here with husbands and wives, and they don't know what they're talking about. I sit in here with mothers and fathers and sisters. I sit in here with all types of people in relationships, and they're all fighting, and I can just discern it so easily for them. And it's like I can explain them to each other. And I can explain what they're looking for and why this hurt and how you can be helpful or how you can dwell with each other in wisdom. All from just having your senses exercised to discern the Lord's body.
1: right? right?
0: Where you begin to discern what you're
2: wanting to touch, what you're wanting to handle. Right? Right. When when somebody does something to you that you're offended by, (coughs) the offense, what they did to you doesn't hurt them at all. It hurts you because of the way you're interpreting what they did. So you are in anguish over what somebody said or did to you that really has no power to do anything to you or should have no power to do anything to you because you are allowing what they communicated to you to speak something to you that you lack something something is wrong with you yep. but when you know that you don't lack anything that there's nothing wrong with you that you are a child of God in whom he is well pleased whatever that person says to you doesn't really matter right. because there is something in them that is producing the death that is coming out of them and then you can start looking at them and saying, whatever they said is not hurting me, but there's something hurting there. Yeah. Yeah. And you can look to them and say, what is it that is causing them to, to spew right. this stuff out right. toward yeah, me? You can. You know what hurts them. them. Right. You, you, you can know what hurts them. And listen,
0: guys, do you know if we were all clothed mm-hmm. and glorified in mortal flesh? Do you know we have never been upset with somebody doing something bad to us? Mm-hmm. Do you realize we'd never even feel a negative emotion? Right. Does Superman look upset when somebody shoots a bullet at him? <laughs> <laughs> does he get into, why did they do that? Does he get into this whole like emotional thing where he's offended? No. no I, so I don't even think we realize the reason why we can even feel hurt and upset when somebody does something that isn't born from life it's because we have mortal bodies right now. We have bodies that can feel weakness. And so you can still feel a certain mm-hmm. way when somebody does something that's not right. But what happens is, is through your senses being exercised, you discern the emotion properly and you start seeking the Father for the 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 comfort that the, the comfort that comes from his likeness, from handling him, right. right? From connecting with his life. And so we're gonna feel the pressing in, it's not going to feel nice, but we need to understand why it doesn't feel nice. Because if you understand why it doesn't feel nice, that begins influencing what you do in the midst of it not feeling nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And you'll end up connecting to the Father instead of coming and laying your your sin or the, the people's sin on them, like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yeah. You think it felt nice when those people were nailing Jesus to the cross? you think his body felt good? But, you know, Jesus discerned what was going on. He could discern the emotion. He could discern the confusion that tried to come upon him, the contradiction. He could discern it. He could see my body longs for the likeness of the Father's immortality.
1: Mm -hmm. Right.
0: And so those people couldn't give it to him anyway. Even if they didn't nail him to a tree, that couldn't give him the likeness of the Father's life inside of his body. Only the Father can. So instead of looking to correct their behavior to deal with his emotion, what is he looking to? The Father. Right? Mm-hmm. And then he finds himself being satisfied. Amen. He's awakening to the Father's likeness. Right. I shall be satisfied when I awake to the Father's likeness. Mm-hmm. That, that's what it says. Mm-hmm. That's what the scripture says. Mm-hmm. We should think about that. So when you, the next time you have an emotion, I promise you what we all do when we have an emotion, we immediately think we know why we feel it. But maybe next time, stop for a second and just talk with God. Mm -hmm. Why do I feel this? What's going on in me, Lord? Instead of running down the road with all of our own conclusions. And I've already given you the answer. I've already told you why you feel negative emotions. You're longing, you're groaning to see the Father's life manifested in you. You're groaning for a life that can't be harmed. You're groaning for your life to not be harmed. That's why you get upset when somebody does something. You think they've harmed your life. And inherently, you know you're meant to have a life that can't be harmed. And the moment you think your life has been harmed, do you know what you start thinking? That you're not as you ought to be or you don't have what's right for you to have. That's why we all start talking about our rights.
1: <laughs>
0: what we do, I don't deserve to be treated like that. Where, where does that kind of thought even come from? You know something God's never said? I don't deserve to be treated like that. <laughs> you know, God's been more abused than anyone.
1: Yeah. I mean, God
0: came in the flesh. Jesus is Emmanuel. Right. He came in the flesh, and we flogged him to the point of death, stripped him naked, put a crown of thorns on his head, and then nailed him to a cross. The Lord of glory. He's the most abused individual that there's ever been. He's been blamed for more suffering than any person that's ever lived. He's been evil spoken of more than anyone that's ever lived. And you know what you never hear God saying? They didn't give me what I deserve. I didn't deserve that. Why? Why doesn't he think like that? Because he has an incorruptible life. He has a life that can't be harmed, right? And he's always thinking of that life. And he's always Intimate with that life. I mean, you're intimate with the life you have. And so it's like, stop and and, and ask yourself. We call it getting in touch with your emotions. (laughs) you got to get in touch with your emotions. Even that worldly thought, it's true. But not in the sense that we teach it. Right? Getting in touch with your emotions is having them discerned by the glorified man, Jesus. And you start to see... That's what I'm yearning for. And now you start to understand all your emotions in light of that. right? Then what happens when you have an emotional day, or you feel lack, or you feel hurt, or you feel pressed in on, or you feel confused, or you feel doubt, what happens is, is that draws you to the Father, which is what Jesus was doing all the time when he was praying. And that's what growing in wisdom and stature is, and in favor with God and man. Jesus had to grow in his understanding of eternal life inside of a perishable body. It's a contradiction. It's a contradiction to have an incorruptible life, to be be clothed in a body that's corruptible. That's a contradiction. Well, Jesus had never been clothed in perishable flesh. He had never been clothed in a body that could die. He is eternal life, but now he was born of a woman, born of blood. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He came in a body that could feel weakness. The Lord of glory never felt weakness. He never felt fear pressing in on him he never felt that before. He had to grow in his understanding of what it means to be a human and have eternal life while dwelling in a body that's corruptible. He had to learn what to, how to make sense of it. Mm. He had to grow in that. Mm. That's growing in the wisdom and stature of sonship. Yeah. Right? And because he came into the earth not having felt those emotions but knowing that he's longing for the Father. He's longing for the likeness of the Father to be manifested in his body, right? Because he came in the world knowing that, the Father was always lifted up in his sight. So when he felt the emotions, when he felt the pressing, when he felt the lacking, he never, what's going on? What do I do? That's why you don't ever see him doing things that we would call sin. But what does he do? He connects with the Father. Now he starts understanding himself. You start understanding why the feeling of hurt could come what where confusion comes from what's the confusion i'll tell you what the confusion is you have eternal life but you have a body that's dying
1: <laughs>
0: that's real confusing
1: yeah.
0: and you can have conflicting emotions right you can have conflicting emotions and so jesus had his senses exercised to discern good and evil right And that's what the gospel comes to do to all of us. All of us are growing in wisdom and stature. The stature of sonship. We're growing in our understanding of what it means to be the offspring of God. And I use that word on purpose from the scriptures. Meaning, understanding what it means that God is our habitation. That we live and move and have our being in him. Which means because we were created by somebody who has no beginning or end, the only thing that can satisfy us is something that is uncreated. And I know that's not a word. But created things can never satisfy what we're after. Well, Jesus understood that as a man because He, his habitation is God. He lives and moves and has his being within the Father. So he realized nothing created can ever satisfy what I'm longing for. Because I come forth from something that wasn't created. I'm desiring to return to my origin. I'm desiring to attain to that which has no beginning and that which has no end. I'm desiring to attain to something that's always been that isn't created. I'm desiring to see the uncreated manifested in my body. And so he knew that. And now he began interpreting all of his emotions and everything he's doing by that. That ordered his steps as he walked in the earth. That's why I asked the question, would Jesus have still ended up on the cross even if he didn't come into the world as the Messiah? Yes! (laughs) He would have always laid down his life. He would have all, he he told all of us. He said, those who lose their life will what? Gain Gain it. it. And those who try to gain life will what? He told us that. We're not the Messiah. You think he didn't also think that? He understood that. And he understood why. Because the world is filled with created things. The world is filled with the life that has a beginning and has an end. And so the moment you try to gain life by seeking something that has a beginning and an end, you're going to lose life.
4: We have a, uh, a little family Zoom. And on Tuesday night, uh, Hunter, you met, some of y'all met Hunter at yeah. that conference. <laughs> Hunter says, so what do y'all want to talk about? <laughs> so we can have fun with that. And uh, the first topic of discussion was this kid, uh, I say kid, college-age kid, uh, who holds himself off to be a life coach. And whenever I hear the term life coach, my... There's a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> life coach. Anyway, so... Uh, I think someone asked, it might have been me, well, what does that mean, to be a life coach? So, Nick uh, played a, uh, I think, it was a YouTube video where the fellow's talking about um, just coaching people to meditate. And not not simultaneously, but just about everybody was like, well, meditate about what? <laughs> what are you meditating on? Exactly. And... Uh, the kid went on in the video to say, uh, you "Basically, you empty your mind." Yeah, and I think it was Callie who said well, it was impossible not to think about something, <laughs> even if you're trying to empty your mind. But it was satisfying to me to to see everybody neatly pick up on the fallacy of that. Yeah, that was that was, and I'm just like I'm sure God is pleased with this conversation, yeah. He's seeing His children is picking up on the fallacy yeah. of. Meditating on something for life other than him you know, what I'm saying yeah, Uh, and uh, It was it was pleasing it was pleasing to See people not fall for another version of the same lie Mm -hmm. That here's how you have life you go do these things. What do you do? You meditate? What do you meditate on? Uh, Anything or nothing, but just meditate (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, as if the power is
4: found in, in Jesus meditated yep. yeah. he meditated on the father yep. yeah. and uh, you know part of the clarity that I personally am experiencing is Jesus came to declare the father
3: yeah.
4: Yeah. there's so much in that you can go to whatever depth and never get to the bottom of that but, uh, another way of putting that is Jesus came to tell us who we are yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They came to explained our life to us. Right. Yes. And boy, we 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 can meditate on that. Mm. And then yeah. this, this this is pretty much all what we're talking about. Oh, absolutely. Uh it's I just put it in fewer and simpler terms for me. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. That that uh your 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 life is not a function of your job, your possessions right. or even yeah, I mean your parents or, or any of these things. And you, man, I really like the way, I, in fact, I thought that Wednesday night discussion that you posted it just with the word incredible, mm-hmm. Yeah. man, that just ricocheted through our family. Man, everybody was just listening to it, and then we're going to talk about it again this coming Tuesday, but... Uh, That's funny, because I was like, eh. Oh, no. That I felt like, oh, discombobulated. I don't I take like, it personally, but that was better than awesome. your message, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, because you explained it more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. then the scriptures that Gwen brought in... Yeah.
0: Uh, and, uh, Jesus right. comes to tell, let me tell you why you feel what you feel. Right. And we, we, we don't know. I mean, most recently, and it's a relief.
4: It's, no, it, a, it's a relief to understand why do I, why am I so, tor- why do I feel so tormented? Right. And then the torment goes away.
0: Right. <coughs> right. Because you, you don't judge yourself. Right. The right. most recent one for me is when he explained to me what I f- was feeling when I thought I was in unbelief. Right. Because I felt pressed in on, I felt anxiety, I felt all these things. And I was convinced, there, i got to be believing a lie somewhere. Mm-hmm. right? There's got to be something wrong. Mm-hmm. and It must be unbelief. And so I'm just talking with the Lord about unbelief.
2: You were meditating. Yeah,
0: help, me, help my unbelief. All right, all right. And um, man, all of a sudden, God's like, well, Greg, do you think Jesus was in unbelief when he was sweating blood? Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of him explaining to me what I felt. Mm -hmm. Right? Because I had made this unrighteous conclusion about what it meant that I felt this way. Mm -hmm. Right? And I thought it was not normal for me to feel this way. I was coming behind and now I need to get rid of that feeling so that I could have what I was supposed to have. Right? so that I could taste and see. I'm obviously not tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. That's why I'm feeling this way. And then he shows me Jesus, and it's like he's playing uh, chess with me because he knows that I would never believe Jesus was ever in unbelief. (laughs) I know for a fact he was never in unbelief. So then he comes and says to me, what's going on in Jesus when he's sweating blood? Mm -hmm. You think he felt anxious, Greg? You think he felt a pressing in? You think he felt like a wine press? Oh, yeah, he was sweating blood. But was he in unbelief? No. And that's
4: how he cleared up
0: that cloud on your title. That's how he cleared up the cloud on my title. And then he began explaining to me, it's the symptom of having a mortal body. You possess the ability to feel weakness. You possess the ability to feel anxious. You possess that ability because mortal flesh can feel weakness. And that's what's going on. Right? And Oh, so now I'm no longer judging myself for feeling weak. That that greatly lessened the power of feeling weak. Like, I call it uncomfortably comfortable <laughs> now. Where I, A powerful thing happened in my life where I no longer so care if I feel uncomfortable. Use, yeah. I no longer care if I feel weakness because I've no longer judged it to mean there's something wrong with me, right? I just see it as a symptom of having a mortal body, right? Like, you, I mean, I still have to get some kind of haircut even though I don't have a lot of hair like I shave my hair, right? Well, I'm not all distraught because I have to shave my head. It's a symptom of this body. Right? And so the feeling of weakness became that way. Right? When you go and work out. You don't get stressed out when you work out if you feel a little sore afterwards because it's a symptom of working out. You feel uncomfortable, but you know why it's there and you're fine with it. You're not walking around distraught. And so the feeling of weakness and the pressing in became like that for me, where I understood it, and so it stripped it of its power, it stripped it of its ability to try to confuse me or fill me with fear. And it just became, so what? I feel weak. Right, And then you know what I do? I realize there's a treasure inside of this earthen vessel that can feel weak. And the treasure is the Father's likeness. And my earthen vessel is actually longing for the Father's likeness. Oh, I see the Father has actually given me his likeness by giving me his Holy Spirit. Now I'm awakening to the Father's likeness inside of me. Now I'm feeling satisfied in the midst of feeling weakness. Now I feel strong again. You see? You take a medicine. We take pills everywhere. I mean, we're, we're like the most medicated society that's ever lived. We just are. We are. I mean, we, there's something for everything, right? I mean, you can't keep up with all the things. There's even something for everything with my dog. I mean, we got all these different things for my dog, right? For their joints and their back and their hair and their, their uh, flaky skin. And I mean, the dogs are medicated. Everybody's medicated. But there's actually something called the gospel. The gospel. And it's a prescription. Not a prescription. It's a prescription. I got that from lies. and what it is is the father's likeness and you become awakened to that and you become awakened to the real ailment right Mm -hmm. which is a mortal body a a body that is perishable that's perishing Mm -hmm. a body that has gotten death to be able to be manifested in it right that that body That's the ailment. Well, what's the answer? That's why the physical resurrection of Jesus. Most Christians don't even understand why Jesus had to be physically raised. Most people don't even think it matters if he was physically raised. We're going to go be spirits one day, right? And especially in Western Christianity, where we're taught that God was so angry with us, he had to beat up Jesus, we we grapple with then why the physical resurrection? What does that have to do with anything? And then we spend all of our time talking about the cross. And it's not bad to talk about the cross, but we never talk about the cross from the proper perspective. We talk about the cross as if that's the father beating the son. And now when we come to the cross, we feel guilt and we feel shame. And we feel like, look what happened to him because of us. Because we're bad boys and girls. Never had anything to do with that. Jesus is the father laying down his life for the world. Because it's his good pleasure to come and conquer death in the flesh. And now you start to see why a physical resurrection. You start to see what it's all about. And you start to see the only reason why there could be a physical resurrection is because it bothered God that we were dying. And you start to see the only reason why there was a cross is because it bothered God so much that we were dying that he'd rather come into our death and take our death into himself than let us die. And now you start seeing, this guy loved me so much, he took my death into his own body. He let death completely manifest in his body so that he could take it into the grave, leave it there, and then swallow it up when he came out of the grave and glorified immortal flesh. And then he could show us the likeness of what we're all groaning for. And that likeness could start discerning our hearts and our emotions. And then we could start understanding what it means to be human and what it means to be a son of God. Mm -hmm. And son doesn't have a gender. Attached to it. Son just means someone who's inherited the life of the Father. Right?
2: Right? Yeah. I like where uh, Paul writes this. He says, For I reckon that the present sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected it for the in the hope in hope, because the creature itself also was delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And we know that the whole world groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, but not only they, but we ourselves, which are the first fruit have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption of our bodies. Yeah. The redemption of our bodies. Yeah. Which is the adoption. That's right. <coughs> Even my dog this morning is groaning
0: on the bed. My little dog, it doesn't understand itself. It's a sweet little dog, but it needs its senses exercise, right? The dog climbs under the bed, and the bed is like that, and the dog doesn't fit. So the dog flattens itself to get under there, and then it tries to get out, and it hurts its back. And now it's laying on the bed, miserable, uh, uh, groaning, and you know what it's groaning? Just like Marie said, it's groaning, Do you know what it's groaning for? Desiring for the manifestation yes. of the sons of God. That's the creature groaning to see us, our bodies glorified with immortality, just like Jesus yeah, in the okay, physical well. resurrection. Because when we're glorified, do you know what's going to happen to all of creation? They're all going to be glorified. Yeah. Right? They're groaning in travail. That's why he gave Adam dominion over the earth. Mm-hmm. Right? You notice Adam, mankind was the only thing that God didn't speak into existence. He spoke everything else into existence. And then he made us from the dust of everything he spoke into existence. That gives us an authority or a dominion over the earth. Mm -hmm. And so they understand that. And so the moment we're glorified, poof, they're going to be glorified. And so they're groaning to see the glorification of our bodies because our bodies were made from the dust. And the moment our bodies are glorified, guess what? They're going to be glorified. Right? And that's the resurrect the physical resurrection is God prophesying to us. It's Him telling us what our end will be. What what the the conclusion of our conversation, the end of our conversation will be, is this. Right? And He comes and interprets our life for us. If you want to know what I'm doing in your life, this is what I'm doing. Do you want to know what I'm after inside of you? This is it. I'm looking for someone to love. Right? And just like you don't want to love somebody for only 10 years, you want to find somebody that you can love your whole life. I'm looking for someone to love for my whole life. But guess what? I'm living a long time. It's called eternity. And so I need someone to love that can also be living for eternity. Well, that was you. That's why I got down on one knee and baracked you and blessed you. I got down on one knee and promised you myself, promised you my life, because I wanted to spread my life over you. I wanted to decorate you. I wanted to beautify you with my life so I could spend all my days loving you. Right? But then there's a problem because now you're dying. And so I got to get it right to deliver you from that body that's dying. The body of death. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me from this dying body? right? And that's what the physical physical resurrection is about. And we talk about we're going to be worshiping God for all eternity. Listen, man, God is not insecure. He is not in need of you worshiping him, right? We we define God with all of our own insecurities. God's going to spend all eternity serving us with life. That's how it works, right? And what we call worship is really just seeking him. And so we'll see Him there with us, serving. We'll see the beautification. We'll see His labor in our lives as we walk around in creation and we see ourselves and we see the earth. And we'll find our hearts seeking after Him. We'll find our hearts loving Him because we see He loved us unto life. That's what worship would look like, coming to walk with God in the cool of the day. Right? Right. But I think we have to stop now.
1: Otherwise, we'll just have to cancel service. (laughs) I I did want to put in a
0: pitch. Thank you,
1: Thomas, for Wednesday night. If you haven't listened to Wednesday night, you need to. It's it's for those on the video. It's it's February seventh on my YouTube channel.
2: It is
4: incredible. It is. It is. Yes, it is. Which is ironic because it's actually credible.
2: <laughs>
4: it's amazing.
1: It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> That's right. So, Jill.